and welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, last week uh, you were with me as uh, we had a conversation together with uh, Dan Kreider, uh, with music in the church, in the life of the believer. And this week we're continuing that conversation uh, on the topic of, of music. As a church, we're going to be going through the book called Sing, which is written by Keith and Kristen Getty. And uh, I'm excited to be joined today by Keith Getty uh, in the podcast. Keith and his wife, Kristen, are two of the most well-known uh, modern hymn writers today. They have uh, an international tour they perform for countless audiences, and most recently, they've begun a, an annual sing conference. Uh, and as I mentioned, they also have written that book uh, that we're going to be studying uh, for the next uh, few weeks or so. And so, Keith, thank you for joining us today. It's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege. Thank you so much. Keith, I'd like to jump right in uh, and maybe start off just by asking you what inspired you and Kristen to write this book. Well, it was a it was a, it was a life of work, really. We um we um have been in the year two thousand. We started to write hymns, realizing that to be twenty first century believers um is an exciting thing, but it's a challenging thing. And um, never before have, have have we needed to build deep believers as parents, as pastors, uh, or or perhaps as grandparents. And so, part of how we become deep believers is is the studying of the Bible that we do through sermons and Bible study, but part of it is actually prayer and singing the Word. Martin Luther used to talk about the reformation of the church through the preaching and the singing of the Word. Sure. Indeed, he actually thought that you actually you actually learn the Scriptures through hearing it being taught, hmm. and you carry it out of church through it being sung, which is an interesting idea. And so, so um, we have been really encouraging people. with We're trying to write hymns that help really teach the Bible well. And um, then in 2017, to celebrate 500 years of Luther of the Reformation, we did the, we did the Sing Book, and uh, which was just uh, basically helping people understand why singing is so crucial in, in growing in the Christian life. Sure. One of the things that is really, I think, the hallmark of the hymns that, that you write and you guys perform is the fact that there's so much rich doctrinal content. You mentioned you teach the Bible in, in the songs. One of the things, I want to read a quote from the book where you write this. Um, it says, we should be picky. The songs we sing should not brush along the surface or pluck phrases out of context or focus exclusively on ourselves or describe Jesus in a way his word does not, or worse, speak in contradiction to his word. How do you keep the priority of rich doctrinal content in your hymn writing? Well, I think, I mean, it's, it's a number of levels. First of all, first of all, you know, we, we want to be spiritually alive ourselves. You know, there's mm -hmm. people, to think, alive things, things that live grow. That, that, that's life. That, that's that's it. And, and so, as same as it is for any human organism, so it is for so it is for spiritual people. And so, first of all, you want to be praying. You want to be studying God's word every day. You want to be, you know, sh sharing. You know, if you're married, you're making it the center of your marriage, and certainly being involved in local church. And uh, and for us, that's that, those things are the center of our lives. I think. Mm. Secondly. Secondly, um, we, we you know we we want to we, we want to be we want to be good at what we do. So for us, being songwriter poets is very important. It's not, you're not writing spiritual propaganda, 
Otherwise, every pastor and theologian could do it. We're trying to write beautiful poetry, but mm-hmm. a special kind of poetry. It's poetry that sings well. So for us, it's like anything else. You know, you know, my wife is a mother. She works very hard at being a mother. She maybe tells our daughters something 150 times before they fully, <laughs> before they fully apply it. Sure. Similarly, similarly, we may have to make 150 attempts at a verse. Yeah until it is beautiful to sing because mm. singing is art it's about beauty do you know mm. what i mean yeah. we we don't want we don't want on our anniversary we don't want to go somewhere where the food is edible and mm. and theologically mm. sound we want to go somewhere where the food is beautiful sure. do you know what i mean because that sure. is what celebrates the love that god has given us do you know what mm. i mean mm-hmm. and so and so so we want to you know the hymns that mean something to us were, were the moments where Charles Wesley said, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, mm. you know, or he said, my chains fell off, my heart was free. Mm. I, I don't know anybody who had used those phrases until he did. So so we want to say things in a beautiful way, and they want to say things in a way, especially a lyrical way, which means both poetic and a poetry that sings beautifully, you know? Sure. And so you see, you got to, a lot of it is just, it's just hard work in the same way as management or motherhood or preaching is. You wrote in the book, um, worship comes as a response to revelation. Can you expound on that a little bit? Um, absolutely, certainly. Uh, we, we certainly weren't the first people to say that. We, we, heard, it, we heard it from uh, John Lennox and John Piper in the one mm. day once. And, uh, and uh, you, know, with the, 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 you know, I think it even comes down to the foundations of singing. We, 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 we sing, obviously, because we're commanded to sing. It's the most common command in Scripture if we take singing and praising and extolling and exalting and all those words together. Mm. So it's a huge, it's, we sing because of obedience. We also sing because God has created us to sing. But we sing because the gospel and the beauty of the Lord Jesus makes us say, how can I keep from singing? So mm. the Scriptures, the Psalms often say something about God. And then how do we respond? We respond by singing. That's that makes that's quite unique. That's not when somebody gets news that they've got a pay rise, or when somebody gets news that, that the Tennessee Titans have finally won a game. Do you know what I mean? We don't necessarily <laughs> sing, but we as Christians sure. do, and that's part of that's part of what God has made us to do. And uh, so, so I think it's so important. And, and, it's a, and it's a good. I think Kristen wrote that line because she was so com- concerned that as we went into church services, so often we were hitting church services and people start singing without any sense of revelation yeah. or worse, they start singing with this kind of, you know, this kind of, you know, you know, semi-charming kind of like, you know, how y'all do and how y'all feel. Why don't you stand up and stretch your legs kind of stuff. And instead of actually, you know, saying, you know, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, sure. worship the Lord with gladness. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You know, and actually, so I think as you're leading, if you're leading singing at home or you're beginning your quiet time in the morning or you're, you have the responsibility of leading songs at church or at Bible study on Wednesday night, you know, start with giving people a picture of the beauty of God. Don't talk endlessly. Just read mm. God's scripture. Mm. You know, God God give us these beautiful calls to worship in the Psalms. We don't have to make up our own essays. Do you know what I mean? We don't have to make up our own diatribes. You know, get out of the way. Sure. Let, have- let's look at the, the beauty of the Lord in the scriptures and then. As the, and then, as the, as, the, as, the, as the hymn writer writes, how can I keep from singing? So it would be fair to say, I think then, based on that, that we're not manufacturing something in in our singing. Rather, it's kind of the outflow of what God is already doing in our hearts that's, as a response to His Word. That's exactly right. It should be overflowing of the heart. Yeah. And uh, and of course, it's not always. Sometimes it is obedient. Not, our hearts are not always there. Sure. You know, I, you know, we just had Easter and we had we had friends who lost family last Easter. I was at, I took friends out for lunch um, last week, and and it was their birthday, and their father died on their birthday, and mm. they didn't want to go to church this Sunday, and it was hard for them at yeah. church. Do you know what I mean? So so we understand 
you know that people are all at different st- at spaces but um but it is but it is but <laughs> we can still the first time we were ever in in america at alistair Begg's church the um the pastor who was praying said it is with relief that we lift our eyes to the God of heavens to sing to him today. And that's, and I think of a Sunday, that is it, you know, it's like, there is so much stuff, you know, there's so much stuff in my own heart. There is so much stuff on the internet and the news. There is so much that I can, that can, that that I'm worried about for my friends and family, for my working life. But it is with relief that I lift my eyes to the, to the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. So, you, you, one of the other statements uh, in the book is uh, you talk about principles that transcend styles. Um, yeah. Can you expound on that a little bit? I think it was just maybe a, sh- a short statement, but what, what do you mean by principles that transcend styles? Well, we have to be so careful that we don't end up talking about about musical styles in worship as as being a as being as being the primary thing they they are important because they have implications mm-hmm. but um <laughs> but the principle of a call to worship should exist whether you're in an anglican church where there is a written out call to worship mm-hmm. or whether you're in a presbyterian church that traditionally read a psalm as a call to worship mm-hmm. or whether you're in a contemporary church or whether you are in your home group doing a bible study they all require a call to worship. They, you know, they, they should all have a call to worship, whether it's an organ or a guitar, mm-hmm. or a or a Anglican priest with lots and lots of weird clothes on. <laughs> Talk for a minute about um, the what's missing from the professional entertainment-driven model of church music. Uh, you talk a lot about congregational singing, um, and maybe we could use the word, you know, a spectator versus a participant. Uh, where do you see uh, the the um, importance of the congregation in singing? Well, the congregation are what's supposed to be singing. I, I, I don't think you need a worship leader. So uh, if, if you want to have one and they help your church, that's a good thing. In the same way as if you want if you want a pipe organ or you want a drum kit, mm-hmm. I think those things help us, but we don't need them. The, the 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 choir or the performer is the congregation. The audience is God, and so it's very important that every single one of us come together on a Sunday to sing. It is a microcosm of what heaven is, which is every tribe, tongue, nation, language of people sure. gathered together to sing to the Creator and Redeemer forever. Our, on this earth, we have a we have a foretaste of that. And so when we get together on a Sunday, the reason we still go to church and don't just go to Sunday brunch, which is getting better in our cities every single month, is because it is better for us to not stop get, not give up on gathering with each other and to be with each other. And part of being gathered to each other is to sing to one another. So much of scripture when it talks about singing is sing to one another, remind each other, encourage each other, even perhaps and perhaps even correcting each other yeah. as we sing. That is the beauty of it. So that that's that's the exciting that's the exciting thing. So when we come to church on a Sunday, it is every one of our responsibilities if we love each other, if we love the Lord, and if we love each other, to be singing to one another. So it is, a, it is an entirely team game um, that, that, frankly, frankly, all a, all a worship leader does is just helps them do it better. And if they don't help them do it better, then you don't use them. <laughs> sure. Take that now into the life of the home, because we're talking about in the context of the church— and I will say that even reading your book has encouraged me to go deeper with my own children. Uh, we have three children, one on the way. And yeah, fantastic. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we, we, I sense a need to go deeper in the area of music. Uh, 
I mean, talk about that in, in the family for a little bit. How do you select the songs that are appropriate for your family? Why should we be singing in our homes and not just oh, sure. the church? Well, the theological position that is as parents, we, we write we write these truths in our children's hearts. Well, how do we write truths on their hearts? Do you know what I mean? Well, part of it obviously is by singing it. That's mm-hmm. that's part of it. And so we sing to one another. I the the story I told in the book was the one with when Dr. MacArthur met me at Panera Bread. And um, I was just having the worst day where I was like messing <laughs> up as a parent. And he, he could see in my face, I just looked like a stressed mess. You know, sort of, you know that kind of new, you know that kind of new, new father look? You know, just, I, again, just had a baby. I've been you there. Know, you, just, you, just look, you just look rubbish. You've put on about six pounds. You haven't shaved. Your hair's everywhere. And you're bleary-eyed and just look again not with it. And he looked at me and kind of smirked. And I said, um, he says, are you okay? And I went, I just immediately said stupidly, any advice on raising parents, raising kids? <laughs> and he said, and he said, uh, well, a lot of it begins with the songs you fill your home with. And he said mm-hmm. that was a crucial thing for them and their family. Huh. And it was just a reminder of just how important it is. I, I'll give you some practical thoughts. I mean, Kristen and I, we're not, we're not particularly like, we're not these kind of mega structured kind of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved, I learned the scriptures by singing it in, in the home. But my parents just filled the house with songs of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of curriculum or anything like that it was just it was just there was always where where life is fill it with music so if you you know life happens in the car conversations happen in the car conversations happen in the kitchen they happen in the living room and occasionally they happen in the bedroom at nighttime or perhaps if you're grilling out some night you can put music on outside but if you go out you know in the summer nice summer months so fill those times with just songs they love to sing so they're just singing about the lord it's amazing at breakfast how my girls, even their behavior is different when they sing songs of the Lord at breakfast. You know, what I mean? so practically in our home, we we put we don't put songs in it. We we, we do a little bit. We sometimes in the morning, sometimes just during the day, we we do a little bit of that. We you know we like we you know we just, we have fun with the girls with it as well. You know, we we tend to just do fun songs they like to sing, but they're scripture songs. You know, so some of the older ones like Beloved, Let Us Love One Another, and this kind of thing, but. But uh, simple, simple songs that teach the B-I-B-L-E, these kind of songs that they love to sing and, and the little ones dance around too. And so that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then at nighttime, what we do is we do a hymn every month. So we just do the same hymn every night for a month. Okay. You know, and uh, we, again, it's not predictably structured. Some nights some nights the girls are being are being so annoying. You sing two <laughs> verses and then you pray and ask them to go to sleep. And, and other nights... Other nights they just. Other nights we all just sit and sing it through a couple of times. I bring sure. the guitar up to the bedroom, and you can just you can just play it in your iPhone. You know, the iPhone is such a gift for family singing. Mm. You know, this 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 tool that has probably I guess has probably smashed and wreaked havoc in the lives of families in, in your own sure. church and in your own neighborhood is also something that we can use for redemptive qualities. And yeah. I think it's a good thing to do. And uh, so, so, so at nighttime, we like this month, we're doing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to take him at his word, you know, just to rest upon his promise and to say, let's say the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I pray to him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to love, love you more. And so the, the mm-hmm. first night, one of our daughters was called Grace. So they all pointed at Grace when it got to that word. <laughs> then the next night, Kristen explained what Grace actually was. So they actually started to understand sure. what Grace was. And so just this kind of thing, you know, she'll, she'll kind of just, she'll explain through this. <laughs> Songs, sometimes pull out scriptures, but we'll sometimes we'll just get through it once or twice. But we just do the song for the month, just to value the sure. repetition. But but they've now know about 40, 40 hymns, you know. So when they go to church, they, when, they, when they when they know that you know they go to church, they they know, they know to sing along with songs. Yeah. So you're being instructive and intentional in in the way yeah. that you do that. And I see 
I think that's missing uh, in in our churches today. We sing at at church, and then when we get home, I think, and I think you alluded to this in the book maybe a little bit, how sometimes it can be awkward, especially with older teens and things like that, uh, to kind of jumpstart that when it hasn't been there. Um, yeah. And I think starting them young is but, is Yeah, crucial. that's right. But, I, but there's so many different levels. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just putting on beautiful hymns mm-hmm. an hour before church, beautiful mm-hmm. songs of the Lord, worship songs an hour, an hour before church, mm-hmm. or for the hour after church, or when you're having a barbecue, or late at night just putting some slower songs. You know, these things, you know, you just, you just gradually feel, you just, you know, it's, you know, you know, you know, singing, the, listening to music and singing to music are both exercises. Mm-hmm. So with every exercise in life, do you know what I mean? It's like you don't you don't start by doing five hundred press ups. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You you do right. you do five you do five then you fall over and bang your nose and then you get the ten, <laughs> and that that's kind of how it works. So yeah. so that's what I encourage people just to fill their home with the songs they want yeah. they want their children to grow old with. You know because because yeah. you know that so much of scriptures are learned you know in this way. And the thing about it is everybody has a song. Yeah. You know and. And, uh, you know, you know, for example, even taking something like love songs, you know, we had this conversation in our house in the last week, you know, I mean, in the past love songs, they, they probably worship love as a God at some level, but a lot of the times love songs were just celebrating the beauty of love, you know, Mm -hmm. bridge over troubled water and wing beneath my wings. And, and, uh, yesterday, these are, they're fairly innocuous love songs. You know, the the biggest love song in in, in America in the last week is Taylor Swift's song, which is called (laughs) Me. That's what it's called. Should have been me. You know what I mean? I mean, when I was growing up, it was uh, "I Will Always Love You." It wasn't a great song, sure. but it was, it, was, it was a great song. It wasn't a it wasn't a very deep song, but at least at least had, <laughs> it at least had some sense of you know you know loving your neighbor and, and, and sure. common grace. Whereas what our kids are growing up with now is frozen. Is Taylor Swift is this absolute narcissistic sure. garbage that we're just eating for breakfast yeah. that will leave them feeling like not, that will leave them yeah. feeling utterly valueless in life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, despite this, I, I, despite this irony of being self-important, you know. Well, that brings up another question here, um, specifically with regard to the content of music. I'm I'm encouraged to see kind of a reformed resurgence, uh, not only you know biblically from the pulpit, but also in our hymns. Can you maybe share a little bit about? that that trend do you think that the content of your songs the rich doctrinal content is that the outlier is that becoming normative where's music headed uh with regard yeah, but, to theological well, content gosh, well, i mean obviously i can't speak to everywhere um you know ours has been a slow journey you know they don't they you know the the kind of the, the purpose-driven movement and the and the seeker-sensitive movement and the charismatic movement certainly haven't helped us, and, and the various youth movements that have come through, you know, they 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 they've, they've worked very much in different worlds, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's been a slow journey. But it, it's interesting, you know, uh, the the catalogue that Kristen and Stewart did is now the biggest one in the UK, which is remarkable mm-hmm. given where it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still outlying slightly in America because it's, it's a little bit more of a song culture, a little bit more of a Christian radio culture here, mm-hmm. and again, Christian really would not play our songs so sure. so so that's that's something you got to live with but but we're encouraged bit by bit but it's not but it's not i don't think it's my i don't i don't at the end of the day i really don't care if somebody sings our songs it's i want them i want them to sing we want them to sing songs that have that have that have biblical values we try to we try to write like that but there are many many others that are better than ours you know many great great old hymns and and one of the most exciting things with our company is that getting music is now a family of writers who are all trying to write like this you know matt, matt boswell matt papa 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Merker, Jordan Coughlin, you know, Kristen and I, there's, there's six of us and then a group of other friends around that who are speaking into that. And it's really exciting. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting to see what all is coming out of that sure. in, in this season. One, uh, maybe I'll ask you one last question to kind sure. of conclude here. And this maybe is a little more uh, just personal, but you know, you guys are constantly performing at different venues. You're, you're going all over the world. Uh, you're singing, you know, the same songs over and over again, performing the same songs hundreds and hundreds of times. H- how do you, uh, how do you and Kristen cultivate your own heart in such a way as as not to grow dull with with just yes. the repetitive nature of that? Yeah, <laughs> those are good questions. We honestly only do events about ten weeks a year. We only tour about eight weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Now we do we do October and December. Then we have our own conference in Nashville, and then we do probably, on average, about four other events in the year, just special events that somebody wants us to do. We just did Dr. MacArthur Shepherd's conference, did sure. a couple of events with Mike, Mike Pence, or Vice President Pence, and so very occasional events that we feel are 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 doable as a family and and are and have got serious strategic ministry value. Mm-hmm. So, um, so so we only do about ten weeks a year, um, by deliberately because. We, we want for for that very reason, you know. Sure. We want to we want to have seasons in Ireland. We want to have, we want the girls. I want to spend time with the girls. We want to when we when we when we when we do events. We want to be so excited about it because of how much we've grown since the last one. Sure. That we're like just excited, and so mm-hmm. that I think that is a lot of the thing that drives us. Is, yeah. is are we? What are we saying that's new here? What are we saying that's fresh? What are we saying that's dynamic? You know, yeah. and um. So, but I, again, it goes back to earlier. I think everything. Everything revolves around, you know, the discipline of prayer. You know, yeah. if your day does not begin with the discipline of prayer, you have to question your day. Mm. You know, and and uh, John Lennox, Kristen's uncle, Professor John Lennox, used to always say, "Be be be the be the best musician you can possibly be. Take take excellence in the in the, in the place God has called you very seriously." Mm. But try and make sure your faith is always growing even faster than that. And mm. that's not that's not something that has an empirical measurement, but but sure. we're, but 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 it is more important that that I was prayerful today that that I was that I was that I was that I was humble that I that I was loving that yeah. I that I was excited to encourage brothers and sisters than, than anything else. So yeah. I think that those are the things that you really cherish, you know. Yeah. Amen. And that's real life, and that's relying yeah. on the word, relying being, on the spirit. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's and it's and it's and it's, and it's being in your church on a Sunday, being yes. there early, being yes. there prepared, being there prepared, and just singing to your brothers and sisters, praying, studying yeah. the Bible, and enjoying having a cup of coffee with them afterwards. You know, yeah. and it's uh, I don't I mean it's it sounds like really basic, boring stuff, but I don't. I'm 44 and I haven't worked out anything better. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an encouragement. It's real life. It's it's obeying the word and encouraging one another. So I, I appreciate that. Um, Keith, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Oh, pleasure anytime, and I hope I hope I hope this is great for the for the church and all the guys doing the book. And yeah, if I if it can be of any any more help, just please let us know. Well, I'll do that. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Mm-hmm.